Hi there, I'm Jeremy Bacon, CEO and co-founder of Synapse Software Labs. Welcome back to Journeys, the podcast where we talk about building great companies, great products, and great teams with a customer-centric focus. My guest today is Helen Calvin, the SVP of customer success at Jellyvision, a fabled, legendary company. Thanks. It's good to have you here today. I'm super excited. This yeah. is going to be fun. We're going to talk, uh, and in particular, one thing that we're going to we're going to really delve into today is your experience with and your expertise around building customer success teams, and what goes into hiring, and what goes into thinking about those processes, and why it's such a big role and such an important thing for you. But before we get there, sure, we're going to sort of build into that. Great. And talk a little bit about your background because you actually have a very interesting background, and in that you've come into the world of customer success from a non-traditional path. I love the words that you use, interesting and non-traditional. You can just say wacky, weird. (laughs) Um, That works too. Yeah, so my MO is sort of that I find holes within companies and I spin up departments and core competencies to fill them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has sort of sinewed its way over to customer success, which I think gives me a little bit of a unique perspective because I don't come from your traditional sales or marketing or account management Roles, sort of sure. background. Yeah, which is you know where most people in this role today come right, from. Right. Success as a thing has evolved over the last five years really as the right. SaaS economy has taken hold. And what was account management is sort of still account management, but we've seen this sort of this new function, this new role that's right really in the SaaS sort of SaaS space. World, yeah. Which is cool. But yeah. to your point, most people in success roles tend to come from technical support, traditional support, services account management. Exactly. Exactly. different. You didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. I I started in retail. Mm -hmm. um, Started with a company in Dallas, Texas, and really started with two departments there that I uh, kind of worked in and founded was our merchandise forecasting and then also brand and product development, um, working with a woman named Jean Bloom. And you think retail is a lot about um, aesthetic, uh, sort of that one side of the brain, but the truth is retail is a lot of math Mm -hmm. and behavioral science. So why does somebody buy something at 199 versus 249? Uh-huh. It's green versus blue. How many are you going to sell? And that kind of transitioned into when I knew I wanted to move to Chicago, coming to Jellyvision. Uh, we had an analytics department that focused on end user and understanding sort of the end user's path. Um, but I trans- transitioned that into consumer insights, which was really. Um, finding that behavioral science, thinking about the way the user behaved, again, why do they act this way, and and giving that to uh, our customers uh, so that they could understand how the end user was kind of using their products and things like that. Uh Um, And then that rolled its way into, gosh, if we're really getting down to this minutia of actual problem solving, that has huge value to our customers, and we have our SaaS product, Alex, Uh um, which helps employees um, of large employers make decisions about their health and well-being, um, increasingly financial decisions, and we didn't really have account management around that. We had really strong implementation team, really great product teams, and a really great sort of net new sales team, Uh, but we didn't have account management. And um, so I sort of attacked that, you know, talked to my CEO and said, there's a hole, I'll fix it. That's kind of what I tend to do. Uh, And found that there was a new way to sort of think about it. I'm very quanty, I'm very mathy from that analytics and sort of behavioral science background. So um, yeah, so that's kind of how we got there. And I think it gives me a little bit of a different perspective on, on really how you provide value in a customer relationship. And what that and how to go about solving the problem. How do you go about solving the problem? Either has or even hasn't yet. Identified. Right. 
Exactly. Right. Very fun. So that's a, a part of the business that is relatively young at Jellyvision, but it's one that you're uh, building and growing rapidly. Correct. So in order, in order to do that, uh, you've got to build a team. Yes. And you need to find a bunch of great people who So again, easy. Come, yeah, right. And who come from diverse backgrounds exactly. and have a different, you know, non-traditional approach and non-traditional, I guess, thought patterns around right. how to do stuff. So can you maybe, this seems like a good time, Annie, to jump in and sort of talk about that, uh, that process. What sure. What you do, how you do it, what makes sense, what doesn't. Sure. So, um, we really, I take hiring extremely seriously, as I think most sort of executive leaders do, but to sure. me it's really the most important thing that I do. Mm -hmm. I'm um, a little bit fastidious in that way. I believe that A plus is better than A minus or B plus sure. or B. Uh, so uh, my- It's 100 versus a 97. Right, right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, I think my, my uh, HR and recruiting team, I think I have the longest requisition rec like timeline but between posting and hiring. I'm pretty slow. Yeah. Um, okay. But what I really look for, it's not always so much background. It's great if you've had a couple of years in sort of, you know, either sales or account management yeah. or customer success. Yeah. But there's three key things that I think differentiate the way that we want to shape and, and build a department. One is, are you a self-learner? Mm -hmm. Are you self-taught? We have really strong orientation programs, and we obviously work to get people up to, up to speed on the ecosystem and the space and the industry, the vertical that we're in. Sure. Uh, but you're never, as a leader, going to know every problem that's going to arise. And if you sort of hire the kind of person who comes to you with every question and everything that kind of comes up, um, you're not going to get the most efficient team. And you're also not going to get people who are going to bring new things to you. Um, I always like it after a certain period of time if you know, the people who are working on my team are coming to me with new ideas. And I think that comes from really curious self-learners, people who are self-taught. Uh, Golly, Google is all of our friends. Right, you know, right. nothing, nothing we're doing has never been done before. So how do you um, make sure that you're a person who's kind of self-propelled mm -hmm. to, to, to seek out answers, seek out knowledge? So how do you test for that, though, as you're meeting people? Uh, given the fact that you said you're fastidious when it comes to uh, finding, recruiting, uh, right. hiring, working through the process, and that it takes a while to do so, how do you identify the folks that you're meeting with, um, whether you're meeting them at a cocktail party or in the interview process, that how do you identify that they are a sure. self-learner? Sure, sure. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of one of my other things is, is trust but verify. Yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah. hiring in customer success, mm -hmm. these people tend to be really uh, articulate and, and great talkers, particularly if they came from a sales background. So, so how do you verify? Uh, in the um, interview process, we have something called an audition. Uh -huh. uh, and it's actually a little mini case study of whatever uh, the job doing, sort of sure. is they'd be doing. And we make sure that they can kind of do that in the audition. I try and get any math I can, especially if pulling from internally. What's the math of what they do say that they've done? Uh -huh. And then I like to ask sort of questions that get at what do they do in their own sort of life? What do they yeah. do in their own passion? So questions like, you know, what's the thing that you've done for the longest period of time? And they might say, oh, you know, I'm really into graphic art, or I, uh, uh, I'm a cook at home, or okay, or I played baseball in college and I played baseball my whole life. Uh -huh. Great. How do you get better at baseball? Yeah. And if they sort of say, well, I've had a coach or I've had a mentor or this, and if they say, well, I watched a million training videos and I go out and I practice every day, and I, it gives you the sense of how do they see a problem and attack it from an education and sort of self-learning standpoint. Um, so that's you know one of the things what that we look at, important. right? So you're looking for people who are self-learners and, right. and motivated to, to grow and expand themselves, whether that's in the role of a, a customer success manager or in their personal life, Again, right. like cooking or baseball or 
running up and down mountains, whatever it might be. Okay, what else do you look for? What else do you, what, what, what else is in that process? I think this is where a little bit of my non-traditional uh, background comes in. The relationship with the customer and how you view that relationship to me is very important. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of customer success, sales account management, has a perspective of it should be a really tight relationship, a really familial relationship. And you'll hear people in interviews describe it as, I really love people, I love getting to know people, I want to you know, get to the point where they really feel comfortable with me and they want to, um, you know, they see me as sort of a best friend and confidant. Mm -hmm. And while that's not a bad thing, I mean, sure. is that, I actually think that the people that you trust most in your life, the foundation isn't that they're your friend or that you're sort of likable. Um, the foundation is that you are an absolute expert and you really solve their problems. And there's not a, a piece of information about the ecosystem or what they're dealing with that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then you have a layer of remarkable likability. Sure. You know, and, mm -hmm. and it's with, like with our product. Humor isn't the base of our product but it's an expert who happens to have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I think about customer success the same way. It's an expert who happens to be quite likable. But the, likable is not the basis. Sure. Expertise is the basis with sort of a lens of likability. And um, so I look for that difference. When, when you're interviewing and someone says, oh, I just really love people and I really want to make sure that it's a relationship and I want them to really, you know, be really close to me, versus someone who says, you know what? I really, I'm a detective, I'm a, det I'm a tinkerer. I hate when there's a problem that I don't know the solution to and I want to dig in and figure out problems. That's the person that I think makes a really great customer success or account management rep. Yeah, well sure, especially because a huge part of what they're responsible for doing is getting into the organization that they're servicing right. and figuring out what's going on. Right? You right. can't develop a successful account plan if you don't understand what's happening, not just at the account, right, that little group of people or users or folks that are buying directly through, but what's exactly. going on in the entire company, what's happening in the organization, and what's their strategy, and where are they going, and what's their vision, and why do they care, and right. where do you fit into that mix? And to your point, if, if all I care about is like, I'm gonna take my customer out to a baseball game, like right. that's important, right. awesome, but you're getting, you're, you're an inch deep, you're never getting all the way through. Right. You need to understand what drives your customers' internal politics and internal relationships just as much. And right. if you're not the problem solving, sleuthing detective, it's tough to get there. Right, yeah. right. Cool, so it sounds like, Another way to, so self-learning, self-motivated, uh, likable, but a detective, someone who really mm -hmm. likes to roll up their sleeves and digging in. Are there some other attributes and characteristics that you think are important to look for, or that you try to sort of, you know, that, you, that you try to weed Yeah, out? I mean, you always want to try and su suss out who has a real fire and a real drive. It goes with the self-learning, but it's that kind of self-propelled. Self Not everybody has to be motivated by the same variable. Mm -hmm. but you want to see somebody who does get motivated by things, kind of gets passionate about things. What are the wrong things for people to be motivated by from your perspective, as specific as it relates to like the world of Jellyvision and the product and the, the culture that you are pushing out to your customers? Certainly, on, the, on our team, even though we're, we're an individually rep team, you have your book of accounts, we're also um, very team oriented. Mm -hmm. And particularly if you're starting a department, there's always an arc in the life of starting a brand new department. I've been through it four times and it sh is shockingly similar despite yeah. the, despite the okay. subject matter that sure. you're trying to tackle or the hole that you're trying to tackle. But you know, year one is really about getting done the top three sort of KPIs, the key things that have to get done. And you really need team members who are kind of, um, uh, you know, rascal kids who can help you kind of get it. It's a lot of bubble gum and duct tape. Year two is, okay, let's unravel all the bubble gum and duct tape that we put to just get 
get where we needed to go, right. let's think about foundation. And then year three and beyond is how do we scale? Right. How do we now take the magic sauce that we've process. gotten, systematize the process and things like that. And if you don't have team members who are um, motivated to not just take on their individual pieces, but then also use their skill sets to build up these you know, different pieces of the department, mm -hmm. uh, uh, then you're not gonna get as well-rounded a, a department in the end. So that's something I look for. And then I think the last thing, and this goes for Jelly Vision as a whole, but also just my career of hiring is, we want sharp people, mm -hmm. and sharp is different than smart. A lot of people say, okay, it's really important to see that they're smart. I wanna see that you're sharp. I wanna see that you dot connect in a way that's really novel and that you, you see the so what uh, uh, behind data, behind a bit of information. It's not just the problem solving, it's the and so what, mm -hmm. and then what do we do because of that? And uh, that's a level of sort of sharpness that I think uh, makes someone make a lot more impact than just someone who's bright. Right, absolutely, well, that's, that's very cool. Um, Another question for you, because I'm interested in the audition process. Yes. And, you know, every organization has their own methods and process for hiring. So I'm not asking you to give us any right. you know, television secret sauce or anything like that, because you, know, you should protect all that stuff. You have to be able to stand on a big uh, medicine ball for, you know. I like that. For 20 holding minutes. Holding weights. And, like, yes, bouncing. holding weights, yeah. flexing, <laughs> okay, exactly. That's cool. That's fun. I don't, all right. Yeah. I'm not sure what that has to do with CSM, but that's okay. You know, but you know, it's yeah. worked out for us. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. That's neat. Um, now, so what I was asked about with regards to the audition is how do, what other parts of the organization get involved in that process? So if I come to interview um, at a place, a, a, right. at a team that you're building, regardless of whether it's Jelly Vision, when, you know, when, when, uh, when Helen's building a team, solving a problem, fixing a hole, what other parts of the organization do you tend to wrap into that process and get involved? Sure, I think uh, obviously any cross-functional teams that they're gonna work with regularly, we try and get them in for the interview or them mm -hmm. in for the audition. Again, I'm really quanty and mathy, so I tend to gravitate towards data and finance teams mm -hmm. uh, to really see what are what are sort of the end number impact that we're trying to get to, and how do we vet for that uh, on the front end. And if there's any way, and this is really I think important for internal hires, if there's any way that you have data that again can kind of verify the trust. We were um, hiring for one of my sort of account manager customer success roles. And there were a lot of people in the organization who were very interested in the role. And I actually had some customer-facing uh, tools that on the back end, internally, we could see how much the customer was sort of using sure, our product. Yeah, mm -hmm. And what I could see is, internal to Jelly Vision, how many times had different people logged into that tool to see how the customer sure. was doing? Mm -hmm. So you, know, you can kind of say, oh, I really care about the customer relationship. And then I'm looking at rates, and there's a lot of people logging in very much, and then there's you know one or two have logged in 173 times. Right. <laughs> you kind of go, huh, oh. interesting. Yeah, they you know, they, they, yeah. they, they, this is someone who's, who's really kind of doing it. So um, looking at those tangential sources that you might not even think of that can give you the data to layer into sort of your qualitative assessment or conversations. Cool, makes a lot of sense. So clearly, um, when you are building a team and when you're uh, putting together a new part of an organization, um, the overarching theme, the most important thing seems to be driven, self-learning, constantly seeking education, growth, 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 you know, individual uh, growth and, and then collective team growth. Right? Um, yeah. Let's talk a bit about that. So how do you continue to push yourself and challenge yourself and grow your, uh, your yourself professionally and personally? That way? Sure, um, so I've done a lot of the uh, education routes, got an MBA at Kellogg, for me, it was a really, I think, worthwhile experience. Mm -hmm. um, 
So as much as I can follow that path, I follow that path. I also mm -hmm. believe in um, knowing your compatriots of who, who they are in your industry and in your vertical and really getting out of the building a lot and yeah. spending time hashing out similar problems. I have a, a, you know, a lot of people, friends at Review Trackers and Yellow and different companies, Belly, who are yeah. you know, really dealing with a lot of the same kind of things that, that I'm dealing with. Uh -huh. and I think as much as you can commiserate um, and then I'm a voracious reader, read uh -huh. all the things and everything and books incessantly. Try and, I, I tend to kind of volley between uh, your traditional romance business novels. books. Yeah, oh, I'm Robin, sorry. Yeah. Romance, <laughs> your traditional business books and yeah. then kind of uh, the behavioral science, Malcolm Gladwell and the trailer Daniel and Pink, Daniel Pink, yeah. All, yeah. all those good guys. Yeah. And then I watch completely, utterly trash television at mm -hmm. night because I feel like it just really rounds Well, it out. rounds you out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it makes me somewhat it's, normal. Yeah, it's important to right. do so. Yeah, you have yeah. to know what's going on. I don't even know what TV shows are cool right now, but X, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what's cool, but yeah. I know the garbage that I <laughs> exactly. watch. Well, you know what's interesting? So I, I, uh, I, I tend to watch TV when I'm working out, uh, and it'll be Netflix. And, and it's interesting, a couple years ago, and this I swear this kind of relates. It, it, it doesn't just kind of. It directly relates to what we're talking about <laughs> here. But a couple years ago, I read this study that basically said that um, you know one of the things that Netflix figured out early on, and one of the reasons it's able to keep its cost of content relatively low, um, is because they, you know, they don't have for a whole bunch of reasons, they don't have the best content, right? Mostly because the, the owners of that content don't want to make it available to Netflix, this and other, but like even if they could get it, they don't necessarily want it. And the reason why is because we're perfectly content as right. as human beings to consume like, you know, C level, B, baby B level like content um, because we're filling time mostly because we're it's an escape valve, right? right. It's a release valve. And so like, it doesn't really matter. Like we'll watch whatever crap you put in front of us because oh, we're yes. you know, too lazy. To how, many, how many seasons of Top Chef have I watched uh, now? Probably a few. I yeah. mean, all yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Some spoiler alert. Yeah, they yeah. cook food yeah. and then someone, I don't even get to taste it. Someone else, else tells does. me yeah. that, it, that yeah. it tastes good. And I'm like, I both believe you. No, my, my, my family, I don't watch Top Chef, but everyone else in my family does. They're like religious viewers. I mean, it's not, I always listen, I hear it going on. I'm like, that's really cool. It makes and, no sense. Yeah, but it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need that. You, you, you need a release. Right. You can't always be on, I guess. No, the, no, the whole no. point is you can't always be like on. And, right. you know, no matter how much you want to memorize everything Malcolm Gladwell says, like, you, you, even if you could memorize it all, you can't apply it all in one lifetime. Right. I like Clayton Christensen, right? Been around right, forever yes. talking about awesome oh, stuff. And like, I love his junk. Milkshake theory. Yeah, but like, you can't possibly absorb it all. And the reality is, you have to put it all into practice, and you can only do so much of that at a yeah, time. Yeah. So you need to fill your mind with some trash in there. Yeah, too. right. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my trash this year has been Game of Thrones. I watched like all six seasons, like, binge watched it. Um, that was my thing. Yeah. And now I'm on to some crazy serial killer show on Netflix. Right. So, you know, it's all Great. Good. It's all, all good. running. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think, I think, again, that sort of self-propelled, self-learner. I also, you know, and I tell this to anybody who's kind of looking at, at Jelly Vision, one of my favorite things is I'm, I'm not very good at sitting still. I'm mm -hmm. someone who likes to run, which is part of why I like to kind of find holes and start new departments and, yeah. then, and then hand them off to great leadership and kind of do the next thing. Um, I'm someone who likes to run. And so sitting still it has, has never been my yeah, forte. It's not, not, something <laughs> not something you're good at. Yeah, that's right. Not something you want to do, for sure. Okay, so another, another question. So we're going to take one half a step back. So, you know, build customer success teams. Hiring for customer success, it's a, it's a challenge. It takes time. Uh, and it's, but it's something you have to get right, right. Because at the end of the day, those people are your face. Right. Right? They're, they're the one who, even more than the sales reps and the people that were involved in bringing the customer to you in the first place, they're the ones that carry the torch. Right. Right? They become the quarterback of the relationship. Um, so now that you've got a team, once you, you know, how do you sort of 
take that customer success team and that customer success organization and empower them to be successful for their customers. I'd like to hear about your process and the way that the, the way that you work with, with or try to work with the, with your customers. Sure. I mean, the hard part, and and you and I were kind of chatting about this earlier, is you really got. The way I think it is we kind of got four constituents. If you're in a B2B, luckily you maybe only have three. At Jellyvision, we have four. Mm -hmm. We've got Jellyvision, the employer. Mm -hmm. We've got our internal employees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got our customers. And then we've got our end users because for us, it's right. sort of B2B to C. They're yeah, different. Right. Yeah. And these constituents are often sort of wonderfully in conflict of who do you really help and how do I empower my team to make sure that they're kind of making the right calls. Uh -huh, right. And there's sort of two underlying tenets. One is use good judgment. You know, hire fully formed adults who will make good calls. Yeah, right. And to uh, tell people to be truly empirically helpful. Really be helpful. And sometimes being helpful, if you really have those at the sort of core, then they have an understanding of at any moment which which of those constituents is the most in need of help? If it's something that's really compromising, uh, you know, the P&L of, of Jelly Vision, that might be the area that really needs the most help. But mm -hmm. if it's the customer, or if it's our internal employees, or if it's the user, and it goes back to sort of that actual problem solving. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they have a lot of the basic things like access to budget if they need to spend it on the customer. Um, they have access to me and to other people within the company to get expertise if they sure. don't have technical knowledge. Uh, but it's really instilling that concept of, of be empirically helpful mm -hmm. at the core, and um, and you know you'll succeed much more. And then and then my responsibility back to them, and I kind of see Jellyvision's responsibility. But my responsibility as a leader is um, I am to make my team members as marketable on the open free market for what they want to do in life as I possibly can, make sure they're getting the skills to be as marketable on the open free market as they possibly can, and then uh, I have to convince them to can. stay and work for me. Yeah, That's exactly. kind of what it is. Yeah. Well, that, Browser, that's a healthy way of approaching it, right? Like, to your point before, um, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you need to find the greatest people for the role that you're trying to fill and for the team you're trying to build. And the reality is that sometimes, you know, over time that may change. Right. But you want to be able to, you want to build a team that is both capable of growing beyond their team, their role, their current function. And maybe that means they move into some other part of the organization. Right. Or maybe it means they need to go do something else. But at the end of the day, you are better and your company's better as a result of you preparing that person for the right. next thing, whatever that right. might be. Yeah. yeah, and you just, you know, for us, it's just a different, we want to make sure that that team is, is parlaying our brand of customer service. Sure. We're different from, you know, Nordstrom, you bought a belt you know, from Macy's 25 years ago and you bring it to Nordstrom. And Nordstrom actually on their website says, yeah, we do yeah. not have a return policy. We do everything on a case-by-case -case basis. They right. will take they'll back, take it back yeah. they'll take back that belt from Macy's from 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ritz-Carlton has a really great brand of customer service. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. sort of about this experience and things. And two sort of herald companies that you can, you know, marquee companies that you can speak to customer service they are customer centric. At Jelly Vision, um, it's be helpful. Yeah. And I think that that's our different sort of lens on it. Which is a good thing. Well, being helpful and having that as a mantra, certainly I'm, I, I'm assuming anyway here, correct me if I'm wrong, that's also helpful for you and other members of the leadership team and your teams when it comes to managing friction and managing expectations around those points of friction. Specifically, what I mean by that friction, yeah. right, is you kind of mentioned a couple minutes ago, there's different stakeholders. You've got your 
um, it, look, let's go from the top down. You've got shareholders of Jellyvision, right? So the owners of the business right. and the managers of the business and their incentives aren't always aligned. Closely, but not always, and there's healthy reasons for that, and right. good friction exists, but it's there. Right. Right. And then there's friction between senior management and uh, the uh, the rest of the organization, because again, you're trying to manage expectations and help grow and train and move and deliver. But then that's the internal points of friction, of potential friction. But on top of that, then you've got customers, and in your right. case, customers of customers. So within each of these groups, there's inevitably points of friction that surface, and you need to manage the, right. the friction around that to right. ensure that your customer stays happy and that your customer's customer stays happy. How, how do you do that? What, what, are, what, are, what works there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, not to sort of belabor it, but, it, but it, as you're really doing actual solve, problem solving and as you're actually being helpful, um, and maybe it's akin to, you know, we've all read sort of challenger sale and those sorts mm -hmm. of things, but I think you want to think through... Uh, really explaining to the you know friction party the stakeholder, the, stakeholder mm -hmm. the friction party how are we actually being helpful to our end user to our customer to the customer back you know we're really we're thinking about your employees here this is how we're actually going to kind of be helpful to them and i think it's constantly weighing the hard part about customers right is there's this sort of um it, like predictably irrational, there's this sort of economic and social contract. Yeah, right. we've, sort, we've got sort of this this weird interplay of uh, there's a financial fiscal piece to our relationship and then there's also a sort of loyalty and social yeah. piece to our relationship. Yeah. So it's kind of keeping an eye on both of those those silos and knowing, you know, the, the, the great um, piece in predictably irrational is when they talk about the daycare example. I don't know if you remember this, uh -huh. but, yeah. but you yeah. know they, they were having too many late pickups from daycare, exactly. so they said so we're going to charge them for it, charge yeah. them for it, and then late income pickups increased. Why? Because you you failed well, to. Well, yeah, exactly. It had the opposite effect that they wanted, but the reality is, I mean, it, it's they by identifying and calling out the behavior and right. providing a real incentive, they actually got more of the negative behavior. Negative behavior, and it was but because it you moved from a social contract, to I a, feel guilty for picking my child up late, to an to economic one, of, it's, worth, it's worth five bucks for me yeah. not to have to pick my child up on time, exactly. um, and be late, and have another you know cocktail with my friends, or get this extra email out, or <laughs> whatever it is. before driving right, children, right. but yeah. <laughs> you know, or another email out, or whatever right, it is that right. you're, you're, you're doing, um, and so that's a part of, I think, the friction that you have to sort of um, navigate through is how much is the, the friction here caused by just a social understanding that we have, yeah. these sort of um, expectations and things that we have just as people, and then how much of this is, is financial or fiscally yeah. driven. I think if you can kind of get to some of that motivation, that helps you think through, okay, how do I actually be helpful to the people? Well, right, and then, you can, and then you can sell it up, right? So right. like, it's, in my opinion, it's generally, easier to, it's generally easier to appease management and shareholders when you can come at it from the lens of the customer and say, well, look, this is why we, we think it's the right thing to do, right. because at the end of the day, our customers are our business, they are our lifeline, they are our lifeline, therefore they are number one, Shareholder value be damned. Like if we don't have these folks, we can't create shareholder value. Right, and and you know you just have to also hope that you are fortunate enough to have a have a patient board or things right. like that. Because we sure. as we all know, there's often a long tail. Oh yeah. To the the right decision for the customer or to the internal employee or things you know may not pay out for you know whatever that time is. Time to value we try to get crunched down, but but yeah. uh, you know you need to also have, hopefully have uh, the leadership at the top. Uh, and the, the owners of the company that understand that sort of focus. Absolutely. Well, I guess the, my, my, my parting comment here would be, a, well, make a comment and ask a question. 
do you agree, do you disagree? I love it, this I is getting think, so complex. I know, now we're getting like, it's emotional. It's like, it's like Inception, it's right. meta, okay. So, in my opinion, you can't have a great customer success or account management program um, where you're truly a customer-centric organization driving for the customer unless you have buy-in from the absolute sure. top-down. And in my opinion, the top-down is board and down. Mm -hmm. um, without that, you, 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 I think you've got unnecessarily unhealthy friction right. inside sure. the organization. Sure. Agree or disagree? Uh, of course. I mean, if you don't, and I, I mean, that goes for customer centricity and, and those things, but, but that, I think that goes for whatever initiative you're trying to get through the organization. Um, that is a piece that I really own and drive at Jelly Vision mm -hmm. is that the customer voice, the customer's pain, really what our customers are dealing with has to just be in the veins of every department within the company, be in the veins of every person who is customer facing and not customer right, facing. Right. Um, and I think that that is, of course, something that comes comes uh, from from leadership at the top. Sure. And we've certainly seen, and, and I, you know, won't wave the finger at anybody, but we've certainly seen companies that lost that focus. Absolutely. And um, it usually takes them down down a bad path. You know, yeah. we've gone from a country who where manufacturing was our key piece to where technology was our key piece, and a lot of those things get commoditized. And we're now in a world where really being an expert on your on your customer, their pain, what they need, what they want, what drives them, um, I think is, is a differentiating factor. Well, I think what's fortunate for uh, Jelly Vision is they've got you there running this particular team. And what's fortunate for you is you've got a great CEO in Amanda who's willing to say, do it, fix she's, it, let's make it great. She, she's she, good that way. She is a really great champion. She's a great champion in Jelly Vision. She's a great champion in the Chicago tech community. And I think uh, under her leadership, we have an entire executive team that, that looks at our onus to Jelly Vision and also looks at our onus to uh, tech and, and in particular Chicago tech. What's great about Chicago tech as opposed to uh, some of the market. yeah some of the other markets is that um, you know one of our fellow friendly companies IPOs or makes an exit or gets a raise or we all cheer for them. We don't mm -hmm. say oh that was my raise. You know yeah. now now the, you know, there's not that competitiveness and I think that that's uh, something that's really important for us to kind of all near you know sort of. Uh, put out into the marketplace. Yeah, I agree. We watch out for customers. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been yes. super fun. I appreciate Yay. you taking time to come in and chat with us. Sure. And to everyone out at home on the internet or wherever else, um, we'll put a few links to some cool stuff that we talked about today. Maybe a book or two that we referenced and a few other things. As always, thanks for tuning in to Journeys. We appreciate it. If you like the episode, please like us on, uh, you know, what's that thing called? iTunes. Yeah. Um, and it's how we get discovered and recognized so we can find more people like you to share our stories with in our journeys. So thanks again. We appreciate you coming out and watching today. Thank you.